0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Overdrinkers. I'm your host, Mike Burge, as always, with a lovely, beautiful voice. And, uh, that's inarguable. And today I am joined by the lovely... Jeremy
1: Kolejewski. Jeremy Kolejewski, Once yes. again,
0: reviewing other horror movie. Coming on into horror Yeah, that is kind of becoming your thing right now, because uh, today, today we're going to be talking about a really special film as far as I'm concerned. Oh, yeah. We're going to be talking about a movie made in 2015, but just got its release. March 17th of 2017, called The Devil's Candy. Devil's Candy. The Devil's Candy. Directed and written by Sean Byrne, his follow-up to uh, The Loved Ones from several years ago. Loved Ones, really good horror movie. I, myself, have not seen The Loved Ones. I haven't seen it either. Um, But it's one of those things that really has been circulating uh, the horror scene for quite a while, and it's just (laughs) one that keeps uh, eluding me. But I I will say without any doubt in my mind... The people that have told me that The Loved Ones is a great horror movie, I trust very, very much. Totally. So I, without even seeing the movie, I would recommend going to see The Loved Ones. But we're not here to talk about The Loved Ones. We're here to talk about his follow-up. His follow-up. The Devil's Candy took a long time for this movie to get out. Mm -hmm. Uh, It screened back at Fantastic Fest back in 2015 and was getting a bunch of play, but for some reason just did not get picked up. Uh, stories uh, vary from depending on different actors and different people that you talk to and why it took so long. Um, I do know that the original screening was 90 minutes long. Oh, really? And that they cut off about 11 minutes, which was mainly a bunch of uh, like wink winks of like metal culture
1: oh. that they kind of took out
0: because they thought it was like getting a little too comedic. Because the movie's fun, you know. Yeah. For a movie that uh, also, to right off the bat, we're gonna let you know like this is a whole spoiler. <laughs> Thing. If you haven't seen The Devil's Candy, seriously, click pause. Go spend an hour and 20 minutes, watch it. You can get it on Amazon.com for $6.99. You can rent it. You can't buy it anywhere just yet. No. But get on there real quick. This is definitely something that, you know, the critical response to this movie is. Out of control good. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you, I love the movie. I really, really like this movie. I and enjoyed Jeremy, it. you seem pretty hot on it too. Oh yeah, I enjoyed we it very it much. About, we watched it about a week ago. It was really solid. Yeah. So go watch it, then come back and listen to this. This is one that you don't want to miss and you definitely don't want it spoiled because it's uh, how this movie subverts horror tropes of what you expect is what makes it so much fun. So we're going to just jump right into spoilers right now. Uh Ethan Embry is cut as fuck in this movie.
1: Yeah, he is. He, I didn't even recognize him when you, I couldn't believe when you're from Can't Hardly Wait. <laughs> even Cheap Thrills, which is yeah, not yeah, that yeah. long ago. I I didn't recognize And not I think that, him. honestly it's got to be around the same time. Probably
0: because I think Cheap Thrills was was recorded it was filmed in 2014. It was
1: maybe even released in 2014. Oh, oh. We didn't yeah. really Yeah, do so it's as pretty much, much yeah. There's only
0: about a year or two between the filming of both these movies. Yeah. Uh with the uh the Ethan Embry Renaissance yeah. that we're getting right now. That guy is turning into <laughs> Embry Sons. The Embry Sons, the Embrilution. There you go. There you go. Uh we he, love you, Ethan, if you're listening. Um, he looks like a metalocalypse character. He is. He is <laughs> ripped this in whole... this. Like he's got like I think and I don't know if I wanted to talk about this idea that I was kind of toying around with, but I've already got so much to talk about and we only have so much time. I had this general idea while I was watching it at first that there was something about masculinity and using masculinity as this fear because you feel like because of how like cut Ethan Embry is, you're kind of scared of him. Yeah. And he starts like kind of going a little nuts and everything like that. And we'll get into that more. But like I started thinking like he's surrounded by women characters. He's trying to impress the secretary of the art dealer and he's trying to Protect his daughter, and he's trying to like keep his relationship with his wife going, and it's very much his story, to the point where like we were saying, like the mom, the wife, like was really barely has like any character. Yeah, she was barely there, and I wonder if maybe that's because of the eleven minute cutoff where they really wanted to try and make it about the dad and the daughter. It because was at the end of the day, the things that they're trying to really talk about is a parent wanting to protect their daughter, wanting to protect their child, and understanding that. Sometimes the world is going to throw things at them that they can't protect against, wanting the best for them, wanting to like supply the best lifestyle. And I think that, you know, with all those metal jokes and stuff like that, they were probably making. Like the movie, a lot of people reviewing this movie see, they're like, it's so heavy metal. And I'll be honest, like, there wasn't a lot of that in there for me. Like, it's definitely there, definitely in the end. Yeah. And I guess with the, you know, having the flying V. And the amp. I mean, yeah, with, with seventy nine minutes, yeah, there's a lot in there. I guess I'm kinda like jumping ahead on that. It's just it, it feel it felt
1: like the music choices as yeah, well, of course.
0: Maybe it's maybe it's because they didn't they didn't uh overuse the metal culture, like to the point no. of like, you know, almost like using it as like a ploy to sell tickets. Not like, they never go like that, and that's what I always expect. It's not like
1: Deathgasm. Right. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh god, I love Deathgasm i actually haven 't seen it oh
0: buddy, you need to see that if you like this you 'll love death chasm I'll, I'll give that one a and watch. Deathgasm's way more hardcore yeah, um, I really like the music in this though too. I yeah. fancy myself knowing a little bit about uh death metal and heavy metal music uh, when I was in the military. a buddy of mine um, who uh was really into uh heavier music, and i wasn 't really into it i 've always been like an eighties pop guy. <laughs> Uh, I love it and there's nice. actually a lot of similarities to be found between 80s uh, pop music and uh, death metal it sounds like a podcast I'll leave all it by up itself. to you to figure it out oh yeah yeah, that I think we do want to eventually start up a music one we're about to break into TV shows and video games very soon oh yeah that's it's going to be intense but uh, yeah soon. so Devil's Candy Sean Byrne Ethan Embry uh, Pruitt Taylor Vince Pruitt Taylor Vince is Ray Smiley uh, you know what the family's last name is in this the Hellman's. The Hellman's. Like the... H-E-L-L, H-E, double hockey stick man. Oh, the okay. The Hellman's. The Hellman. Jesse Hellman, Astrid Hellman, Zoe Hellman.
1: I don't remember them ever saying the last names. They say it like right at the beginning. Oh, uh, when they're okay. introducing
0: the family. I think it's like uh, when they walk up to the realtor or something and she's like, you must be the Hellman's. Oh. And it's like, oh, that's really, that's good. That um, makes sense. How appropriate. How appropriate indeed. Uh, and then we've also got um, two really cool cameos. Um, uh, Tony, Tony Amendola shows up as the art dealer who we got confused at first and thought that he was, um, or rather I got confused. I thought that he was uh, from Amadeus. Yeah, that the, the guy that killed, like from Last Action Hero. I thought right. it was him at first and I was like, that's not him. And F. I knew Murray Abraham. F. Yeah, it. and I knew his name then, and I don't know. Yeah, F.
1: Murray, we thought that was him, but no. Tony he Tony was. Mandela, F. Murray in... Abraham wouldn't show up in a low budget horror movie like this. Dude, he was on Louie. That's true. A lot of people are
0: on Louie. I guess that's true. Okay. Yeah. A lot of but are on then Louis. also, uh, even better than that, uh, Leyland Orser shows up as the priest. Yeah. And I love me some Leyland. Anytime he's in a movie, I he's, absolutely love him. He's
1: great as that blubbering, uh, drunk dad and the guest. Yeah. He's like 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 please stay. He's like yep. he tries oh, to get
0: the He's like, such a great character. He sells that character. Like the entire comedic tone of the guest pretty much is balanced by his performance in that as the dad, like that kinda
1: of, like, I'm gonna have a drink. If you want one, you can have one too. And, I don't like, think there's a scene where he doesn't have a drink except for his death scene. Spoilers for the guests.
0: Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, spoilers for the guests there, guys. But I mean everybody dies in the guest song. Pretty much. Uh yeah, those two guys show up and they're they're a lot of fun. Black Philip has an appearance. Oh yeah, from that's the witch.
1: right. I that did look like a real goat. That was like looked, that looked like Black Philip like to a T, like pretty much. Even though that movie was it was made before, it was made before. But witch. that's just
0: the way the devil works. Very that's spooky, true.
1: very spooky stuff. I, on the poster, it says from the executive producer of the witch.
0: Oh yeah, I mean they got to do that because oh god, I bet you the witch probably had like fifteen producers like to try and make that movie probably uh, probably but um so what makes i mean what did what did you really dig about the devil's candy man
1: i really digged a unique atmosphere mm-hmm. um especially uh, the music really added to it like the uh the distorted guitar sounds and the like shoegazing mm-hmm. i believe is what it co- is what it's called it um it really added to the atmosphere of it made it like really like tense and foreboding and you you know you were like really afraid of what was what was going to happen next and you were afraid because the characters are so likable. Mm-hmm. We don't really get a whole lot of time to spend with these characters cuz the movie's barely an hour and 20 minutes but they're very likable.
0: Yeah, you you latch onto these characters right away. Yeah, they it's, have great personalities. Very, very refreshing how uh evenly they're kind of spread out you know i i completely forgot to i i always i'm so excited about these over drinkers episodes and we finally break in i forget to say what we're drinking over. oh right and today we are enjoying a nice refreshing homemade homemade white raspberry iced tea with some hibiscus rooibos sugar flavoring
1: sound what that is oh
0: yeah i got in there real deep with us cheers to you on that cheers mm, it's very refreshing mm mm
1: Non-alcoholic this time because it's oh yeah I mean it's it's a, lo- a lovely Tuesday. afternoon
0: we don't, I mean that's never stopped us before but <laughs> I figured it might be a good idea to maybe not break in so early uh, we've got a we've got a lot of really fun over drinkers coming up after this one too I'm really excited it's, it's uh it's it's coming together quite well uh, but what I, what I was talking about before was the um I love the uh, th- th- how they subvert. Um, the tropes that you're normally used to. Like there's a, there's a moment in it where, you know, when the movie first starts out, you're like, okay, we've got a likable dad, a likable daughter and a likable mom. And they're gonna, they're, they're buying this house where something weird happened. And there's like this whole like devil, like weird thing at the beginning. And you're kind of like, I know where this is going to go. And And then he shows up at their front door. I need to come in. And you're like, this is going to be some kind of like home invasion like uh home invasion, like devil possession movie. And it's not that it no. stops dead in its tracks. And what really sold the movie and made me perk up and go, wait a minute, this is something special is when that flying V and that amp show up on their front doorstep after she asks him like, Oh, I've always wanted a flying V and he's like, Oh, I've got that with a the, the amp. Like, what was the type of amp? I don't, remember. it's very important. It's like an amp. old, it's an old school amp. And like that shows up there. And I was like, this is a very different, very different type of horror movie that's got way different... Not not necessarily something different to say, but it's definitely using um, different a different style of telling this old devil possession, uh, home invasion, uh, father protecting his family from supernatural forces kind of stuff. And even though it subverts those horror tropes, it's still able to maintain the tone and the style oh,
1: yeah. that
0: it's messing around with from the metal culture... To just like the the overall subversion of the tropes that it's really commenting on. And I think that's what makes the character so um, connectable, so relatable, is Mm -hmm. because you're just like, it makes it so realistic. It grounds everything immediately because the stakes are so low. You don't even understand what the stakes are. You're like, is the devil really here or is this person just crazy and is the, I think that's one of the other strongest
1: aspects of it is the ambiguity of if it's actually the they devil. never explain
0: it. You don't know what's going on. Really, the only driving force clue is that uh, it happened to one person that lived in the house, and now it's happening to another person that lives in the house now. Right. But even then, uh, we're kind of so like um, Ray, played by uh, Pruitt, Pruitt Taylor Vince. He needs to kill children, because the devil wants him to kill children.
1: The devil, but he doesn't really want to kill children. He doesn't want to. Right, right, right. You're right. Yeah. He, he, he tries drowning the voice out. To kill them with you know that flying V makes that awesome like distorted sort of shoe gazing sound. Which is a great, great, great. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a really good play.
0: That's I like that. That's a good thing. Um... And so he's killing kids because the devil wants him to kill kids because children are the devil's candy. They're the sweetest souls to have. There you go. Um, There's the title. There's the title right there. And then um, so I was thinking that Ethan Embry, Jesse's character, is kind of like because he's living in the house, he's kind of on this wavelength that Ray is being talked to, kind of like intercepting a walkie talkie. Uh, but it 's not telling him to do anything he 's just getting the vibes mm-hmm. from what the devil is communicating to ray to do he 's just he 's kind of just like a fly on the wall that 's hearing it and because of his uh natural um his natural way of kind of... Because he's, he's an artist, so his natural creativity, it starts bleeding out through because he's also like in this spot where he's trying to figure out what he wants to do artistically. That's the whole reason they moved to the house is so that he can become this artist. And it starts developing this... My favorite thing about the movie is its conversation about the difference between creativity and madness. And it starts becoming... Uh, so I believe that Ethan Embry's character isn't really being told to do anything he's just picking up on this and it's like the devil's what the devil is saying to ray is becoming jesse's muse and that's why he's painting all these kids dying even before they die like he's he's picking up on everything he's painting his daughter dying before she even dies and i think that's what was going on if it's even the devil talking to him if it's even the devil talking, well, somebody's talking to him because be what are the odds that he would draw a picture of somebody that's about to die that's true. that he's never seen before? That's true. And that devil looks sick too mm. in that painting. Oh yeah, oh, that whole out. painting. His name is um, uh, Stephen Kasner. He's the okay. real artist, and he's got some other great stuff up there. Like I, he made all of this art specifically for the movie. Okay, um, but he's also got some really, really good art. Steven Kasner, check that out. Okay, because
1: I was really impressed by the painting that uh, that his character was drawing. And even like, I would hang that up in like a like a like a bar or something. Yeah, like I wouldn't a, hang that up like, in my home. No, no, of no. course not. You'd scare your grandparents if mm-hmm. they <laughs> came to visit. But uh, but I would hang that up in the appropriate place, mm-hmm. like a, a bar is good, a bar or like a museum, not a museum, a gallery. Devil themed gallery. I would do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is a which is another um, subplot of this film is him trying to um, impress this gallery and try to uh, yeah. That's like a motivation for him to. Um, it's it's like a, it's like career versus versus family. Absolutely, and another like sub conflict that the main character is going through, and. Um, the, the art gallery itself has this kind of sinister vibe mm-hmm. to it. Like when he goes to visit, very it. stale, very yeah. like, like, uh, the, like boxed in, you feel like kind of tight
0: in there. Like you go from like how big the house is and the open field in front of the house and all these big open fields mm-hmm. in the, in where they are. And then you go into this really cramped, darkly dimly lit hallway where there's just one woman at this desk and who this just says red yes dress. no. yeah, hmm Who's probably a secretary for the devil. Right. I mean, that's and I think that that's um, Tony Amendola when he shows up Mm
1: -hmm.
0: is very, uh, you know, he calls this just he calls this like absolutely horrific painting, wonderfully disturbing. And I think that there's obviously a lot of there's, you know, a very obvious um, allegory there between uh, who he's trying to impress and the devil, which is giving him, you know, these these ideas to paint. And coming back to that idea of career versus parenting, it's like that's the, the the deadly circle in this is, you know, Jesse wants to he wants to make good art so that he can be successful, so that he can make money to take care of his daughter and continue to make art. And it's this weird thing where you start getting lost in creativity and you start and he starts kind of going more towards into madness yeah literally leading up to the end where he's just literally like standing in front of the door like waiting for this person that's like uh attacked his attacked his daughter to like come back and like that whole oh with when she's when he doesn't show back up the second time and like she's been kidnapped mm-hmm. which that's some fun stuff that bathroom scene uh where Zoe is escaping from the duct tape oh I was
1: on the edge of my seat that was that's an
0: insanely well well made Scene.
1: Oh, it was harrowing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely harrowing. Like, like you, you, you weren't sure if this daughter, if the daughter was gonna make. it I out really didn't. Either. I did not know. I was like, oh my goodness. This uh, movie was not afraid to murder children. Mm-mm. And
0: oh, because it, it does it. Uh, they, it does it. They set that stake right there when, um, when you see him actually. You know, you don't see see it, but you. You see him smash Kid over the, oh, head of the rock.
1: That scene was so well done, where it cuts between the painting yep. and the uh, the bathtub covered in blood, just mm-hmm. to show the the, the dichotomy. Yeah, man, that whole
0: like it's it's really like uh, wonderfully disturbing. Wonderfully <laughs> disturbing. Yeah, it's like it's the whole movie itself is very simple in its execution. Like it knows what it's going for and what it's trying to what it's trying to. Uh, Present is nothing new or really even all that fresh but there's a craftsmanship that's like that that's like undeniably the work of a director who's got a talented eye who is a more than capable director who understands how to communicate with a cinematographer and a set designer and the actors he knows how to do these things and, and he doesn't do it
1: with uh, much like
0: exploitative,
1: like, no, go- he that, doesn't. That's that's why, yeah, he doesn't,
0: he doesn't, he doesn't, uh, he's not trying to be horrific with jump scares, no, or or very like sinister sounding music, or like the it's the music dark, is very, but the music is very good, but it's not that normal, like that, you know, a small sound and it's getting louder and louder, yeah, up until a boom, like, so It's cliche. actually, it's using like this music puts you in a mood, that's the mood that I want you in. As I paint this over here, and then I'm going to reveal it to you, and it's not a jump scare. It's you. You know you're building towards something, but it's it's he's not holding your hand. No, he's like you are a fully capable audience that can that can see where we're going, and if you don't, maybe you're all the better for it because you won't see
1: it coming. It's a lot like uh, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, and um, that it paints a picture in your head rather than showing you outright yes. what the disturbing and shit what is. you imagine can
0: be even more disturbing. Than what you what anything that uh, a director could show you in a movie, absolutely, you know, with practical effects, CGI, anything. Like, I mean, I will say that you know the CGI uh, flames at the end, it's a little, yeah. it's a little intense, but also at the same time, it looks like a kick ass uh, death metal album cover. So, oh, absolutely, gotta yeah. give it to that. You know, it's like that's then that's like nitpicky, yeah. You know, like I mean, fire the... is always gonna be CGI because you don't want to burn Ethan Embry. No,
1: you don't want to burn. Any of those actors? You don't want to burn anybody. And you know, I to bet, burn anybody. I bet you know, if this movie had a bigger budget, I'm sure they would have loved to get better looking uh, fire. But you know, what are you going to do?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's it works out just fine. You know, I said to you right before we uh, started up this podcast, that I wanted to see if it uh, if it was available on DVD because I'd love to own it because I really would just love to rewatch this movie a couple more times. I'm sure it when, will soon. Like,
1: rapid fire, I'd I'm- love to. I'm sure this and The Void will be out on DVD like relatively soon. Yeah. Like, by the summer.
0: Yeah, they're giving it its little VOD chance here for a little bit.
1: Look at the budget. The budget for
0: it? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Um fact checking on a podcast. Fact
1: checking. Everyone's favorite thing. And
0: so like the movie also too, one of my some of my favorite uh like subgenres of horror is like that old seventies, like underground satanic Kind of movies, you know, like *Rosemary's Baby*, oh, yeah. or *The Brood*. Oh yeah, you know, like which I *The Brood* is like I think David Cronenberg's most underrated movie. Like a lot of people don't even realize that that's him. Like it's Cronenberg doing like you know before he really got into like the crazy body horror shit of the eighties. Mm-hmm. *The Brood* is just like disturbing. I saw it for the first time about maybe eh, five or six years ago, um, so t- somewhat recently, and it like blew me away how just like disturbing the movie is and like it's movies like that and rosemary's baby that you can tell like that's what uh sean byrne is really you know channeling in this with the attitude of like the satanic uh possession and the devil kind of using us i think it's even a tagline for the movie is uh the devil uh, like uses we are as demons on earth you know the devil plays with us mm-hmm. and he, you know like it's The devil, even uh, like Leyland Orser says as the priest, he's like, the devil, he's not a mask in a Halloween shop. You know, he's just sin. He is intent and and evil, like incarnate that's around us at all times.
1: I wonder if there's, if they make a DVD of this, if there's a bonus feature where you can just watch that little (laughs) bit in like HD, because that speech is so cool. That'd be really good.
0: See, I would it's put so that well on, on a random TV in my house, like when I knew that people were coming <laughs> over. They'd be like, what's this? I'd be like, oh, I was just watching my, watching my show. Over there. Don't, 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 don't worry about it. Don't think about it too much. No, don't think about it too much. Um, But yeah, like, uh, you know, the old 70s uh, satanic flick. Uh, And kind of like, you know, you seen Drag Me to Hell. Oh yeah. Okay. I watch that like every Halloween. I the attitude of Drag Me to Hell. I think it's the same attitude that's in The Devil's Candy. Only one goes completely into the over the top comedic. Yeah, Sam Raimi. Right, and that's just the way he does. And the other one, Devil's Candy, it doesn't go full gag. It it it's it's relating to the material of stuff like The Brood and stuff like uh, Rosemary's Baby. And it's, it's, it's keeping it grounded so that it becomes, he wants you to be more afraid of the devil, right? Not just laughing. I think that, I think that why you care about these characters so much is not necessarily because they're generally likable because they are, it's, they do cutesy family stuff to make you go like, man, I really want these people to, to make it out of this. Mm -hmm. But I think it's because again, the stakes being so low and it being presented in such a realistic fashion that it makes it even more unnerving and frightening. Oh, yeah. And that's what I think makes you realize that you care about these characters. It's not so much that you care about them. It's that you're so afraid of anything happening and they're the ones that it's going to fucking happen to and you're
1: afraid of that. You don't want it. And it's also um, Pruitt Taylor, Vince's character, Mm -hmm. the Ray, right? Yep. He's just he's just so sinister looking, and and he's you
0: feel bad for him too. Yeah, he's sympathetic. He's kind
1: of like a like somebody. I was talking to my buddy
0: about it uh, because they saw it um, a couple years ago, like when it was at Fantastic Fest. Oh, okay. And he was like, he's like a puppy. He's like a like a like a beaten, like a like a rescue dog, pretty much. Where you're just like, oh shit, like it's still dangerous. Yeah, but you're kind of like it's not its choice. Like it's been kind of beaten into this. This this way of living a deadly lifestyle, and you can tell that he doesn't want to, you know, because he's like, I, I don't want to. He doesn't want to hurt Zoe, because like the devil takes one look at her and is like, oh yeah, that one right there. And and I think mainly that might be because it see the devil sees the paternal bond between Jesse and his daughter, and is just like, I want to rip that apart right there. Like I wanna, I I want to destroy that love. And I think that that might kind of play into it. Mm. a little bit as to why he's so uh why Ray is so
1: obsessed or the devil is so obsessed with Zoe um but how how uh Ray is composed on screen he's just so he's frightening big. he's very big he's very big he's He's just this presence mm-hmm. on screen. Every time every time he appears, you just like you, you stiff up and you're like, oh shit, something bad's well, about to happen. Because
0: he's got that unstoppable force. Um, uh, I I like he's an icon in the movie for the unstoppable evil that nobody n- nobody can control. You can't mm-hmm. stop it. Because every time and time again that his character's on screen, he gets away with what he's doing without even really like trying too hard Mm -hmm. you know like the first time we see him he kills his he kills his parents and then we see him again and he's at a hotel and he gets in there just fine and then a cop shows up and the cop's like you better cut it out and we're like is he gonna get away with it and he does he gets away with it and then we see him kill kids and he hack them up and we see him continually getting away with these things so when he's finally put against our heroes our family you're like they don't stand a chance against this guy. This guy has time and time again, like proven that he can do this. And I love to, uh, you know, one of my favorite little things about uh, horror movies is taking out the cops. Oh, like, uh, like I respect the police. I am into, I am into the existence of police in the real world, but in movies, especially horror movies, when cops are like, we got this, like they think (laughs) they're in control of a situation. I love it. Like, Oh god, this was, and I saw it coming too in this one. Absolutely, because With, they're just sitting between the cars, and you're like, oh no. No, I mean, as an audience, you like, hear the car crash too. I love how we don't see it. We no, hear we don't, it and you start thinking, you're like, what happened? You're like, oh no, 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 and you just hear the one,
1: uh, the, the lady cop is is, uh, she, is screaming. She does this very like realistic scream too, like you would hear like an actual like person, a groan, like a, uh, oh god, that that. That was like one of the most frightening parts of the movie, and that's right the there. kicker to like the final,
0: the final act. That's yeah, like the when, climax. Uh, that's when he walks in, and he gets the gun. Uh, Ethan Embry running away from him once he tries to like get him, and like that whole like let me just get away real quick, and he doesn't. No, nope. is very realistic, like that.
1: Oh, there, he, yeah. He, was, he
0: does that. He does this weird thing with his body where it's like he tries to make himself small while he's running away, as if. It'll make it harder for uh, Ray to shoot him. A smaller target. Yeah, yeah. and it, he does this very realistic thing that you have seen people do time and time again when they think something's about to happen to them, like if they're about to get hit with something or it's, like a, it's in, just this, yeah, instinctual. This, yeah, response. and it's it's just so perfect. And when it doesn't work out, there's something that's so sad about it. Like just yeah. seeing Jesse lying on the ground afterwards, oh, yeah. trying it's, to get away. It's Heartbreaking, from that. and you really don't know if he's going to get back up. No. I thought I honestly thought that now it was gonna move over to the uh, to the wife that it was gonna move over to uh, Zoe's mom um, played by uh, Sherry Appleby. I thought that because she's an actress like she's in a bunch of stuff and her part is very, very small in this movie. And so I thought maybe they were trying to do this whole thing where Ethan Embry was the main character throughout and then as soon as he comes up against you know the devil incarnate the devil's demon he's just taken out immediately. He's not up to the task and now she needs to step up. I'm not sure if I would have liked that, though. I don't know if I would have liked it, but that's where I thought that they were going. Uh, and, I mean, you gotta admit, it would have been pretty cool, you know, with uh, the mom, with that Flying V, Crush Ray. Oh, I visas. love that part I with mean, the Flying that's V. That's good stuff. And that's just because of how goddamn... cut. God. Yeah. An embryo is in this you're it just was, like it, not
1: only that but like the smashing of the guitar mm-hmm. onto him and the fire surrounding yeah. it, and, and then it, it breaks and then it does the same noise that it does in the beginning it wraps around so perfectly yeah. the mm-hmm. grr. and then it breaks and he ends up stabbing it yeah, my jaw was on the floor during that part. Shitty fire CG aside, the scene yeah, was I, really, I really cool. I
0: really liked it. You know, uh, I like the cheesiness of she's got to now jump off the bed into his arms. She yeah. has to learn to. She has to learn to trust him again. Very much all about like father and daughter, father and child uh, metaphors of you know w- wanting to protect and sometimes not always being able to. And both mm. sides learning that that is a, that 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 is a fact and there's no ill intent involved it's sometimes I'm gonna be there to protect you as much as I can but sometimes I'm not and you need to be able to protect yourself as well which we see that she can she escapes mm-hmm. um yeah just a solid little horror movie with like oh yeah you know a very simple a very simple theme very simple uh lesson to be learned but Plays it really good. Again, too, I think with the 79 minutes, I would have watched an extra 11 minutes of this. Oh, I totally. Don't know. The movie is very tight. It is. So I don't know if that would fuck with that. And it seems to me like that's what they took out. They took out a lot of like the fluff. more like jokes and stuff like that. And I
1: think they said they also took out a little bit more of the... um Sometimes a lot of like uh filmmakers when they, you know, want to like quote-unquote, develop a character. They just have two characters in a room talking about whatever. Yeah, and they yeah, think yeah. that's character development. Yeah, just like
0: silly exposition nonsense. Yeah. That's not what that... Yeah,
1: and I think that, uh, that one of could the have things it. that they
0: that they cut out, which I noticed too watching the movie, there wasn't a lot of it, was um, the whole thing with the art dealer. You know, there's like two scenes
1: yeah, that's with that. It. And
0: that's like a big deal. I have a feeling that there was way more involved in that.
1: Possibly, but the the scenes that they were in were necessary enough to paint the picture. Yeah, of The I, career versus and family I thi- thing. Ooh, paint the picture. Hey. hey,
0: I think, and I think that losing that eleven minutes is probably super healthy. I I, I I hope that on the DVD that I can I can catch those deleted scenes because I'd like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'd I mean, it's like that. um, it's like one of my personal favorite horror movies. That uh, wreck. It just yep. in and out. Mm-hmm. An hour of your time, and uh, you leave satisfied. Yeah, that's one of the best things about wreck is like. That ending comes out of nowhere
0: because your body, your brain is not used to like getting that third act in there before like the first hour is out. You're like, whoa, whoa, what? It just comes out of nowhere and all of a sudden it ends. And like, that's way more shocking than anything else. Mm-hmm. First time I saw Wreck, I didn't know how short it was. Oh, and okay. I was, I saw it at a uh, private screening um, down in Virginia. And, we sat down and I was like, I thought there was like another half hour of the movie left. And then it just, <laughs> they go up into this attic. I'm like, ooh, what's up in the attic? Are we going to, are we going to fix? Oh, oh, that's it? We're done? Oh, that's, that's it. it. And like, it actually like scared the shit out of me because of that.
1: But even though this movie um is only like less than an hour and 20 minutes long, it does still have like a three act structure. Absolutely. It yeah, feels yeah. I mean, it's, complete.
0: you can tell that, you know, they very easily could have tossed in a little bit more in that second act. Mm-hmm absolutely and that's again like it's when you see something like a movie like this that's so that's so tight and so uniformed and understands what it's doing and every single scene and every single line of dialogue is serving the greater purpose of what you're trying to get to and it's not just there to make you laugh you can start seeing like yeah i see why they probably took out a bunch of like comedic one-liners and death metal like i guess there was an argument between the the mom and the dad maybe where they uh where they argue about the band Ghost, the Swedish uh, death metal band Ghost. I've never heard, and of that I guess band. it was supposed to be for like metal. Like I know, like I I've I have heard songs by them. Did not know the band's name, like when it was mentioned in a, in an interview, um, but looked him up and I was like, oh, I've heard some stuff from these guys, um, and I think it was just supposed to be like, you know, metal credentials. Mm-hmm. You know, earlier on in the movie, you'd be like, yeah, we know what we're talking about. We're metalheads, and Green
1: Room did that really well with the punk. Oh yeah! Uh
0: By just having it on like Mm
1: T-shirts and like on the walls, coming up, yeah,
0: and coming up with the great like one-liner to get to know the characters, like uh, "What's your uh, Desert Island record?"
1: Oh yeah, there you go. You know,
0: Desert Island Band, like that's that tells you everything you need to know about the characters. Rate them there when we're introduced to them, and it also is build up for a great uh, third act beginner where like they all admit what they actually like, and then it's also pretty much the it's it's the setup for the last joke, the last line of the movie. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, who gives a shit? Like, yeah, it's, I love it. Like, <laughs> that,
1: that's how you do that
0: kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Green screen. Room too, is just like, I, I'd love to actually do an Overdrinkers and talk about Green Room. Once some more time has passed, yeah, because like that's that was one of my favorite movies of last year. I yeah. love that movie. That is, I talk about a tight movie like that is.
1: Oh yeah. You don't see any of that coming, and they are just they are just ba dum ba dum ba dum ba dum I think what yeah what Green Room does for like the hardcore punk scene in like a horror setting, this one does for like thrash metal. Yeah, and like that kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah that and that's well. one of the bands that's uh, on the soundtrack
0: is um the band sun and it's spelled s-o-n-n-o and then three parentheses okay and apparently it's based off of the logo for sun amps which was s-u-n-n and then there was a picture of an amp that was that looks like a circle and a bunch of parentheses. So okay. they call them that. They are just called Sun. And these are the guys that um, they've got some music in the movie, but they also are the voice of the devil, or whatever we're hearing that that kind of like kind of just sounds like a what's that like a diggery do? Like oh like yeah, diggery like a <laughs> diggery do like a, like a diggery do. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what that is. Yeah, sorry this. This uh, non alcoholic uh, raspberry tea is really messing me up. Yeah, fucking me up too mm-hmm. with its flavor. It's very delicious, actually. But yeah, they're the voice. Like, they do uh, very um, ambient sounding music uh, of the uh, thrash metal variety. And they've also just got like a creepy dude in there, just like saying a bunch of creepy nonsense. I don't know if it's nonsense. I'm not going to look that up. Sounds I know like better a, than to like dive too deep into shit like this. Sounds cause... like a
1: precursor to like a Godspeed You Black Emperor song. Mm. You know what that is? No. Oh, do you know, remember the beginning of Twenty Eight Days Later? That like when he's walking around London. Yes, them. Oh, them. Yeah. Oh, okay. They have a lot of really creepy, um, atmospheric, like, uh, like. Put that in, like, an abandoned mm-hmm. building. The Elevator getting... elevator to hell music. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. perfect. That's how you describe mm-hmm. it. Uh, so, yeah, I
0: mean, that's... You got anything else to say about uh, The Devil's Candy? I mean, I really recommend it. Oh, I would um, recommend it, too. Like, I mean, like, immediately, like, if... Hopefully, you have seen it if you just listen to this.
1: Or otherwise, we just spoiled it. We the just ruined everything
0: for you. But, like, even if uh, you haven't seen it, you just listen to this, like, go see it. Um, oh, yeah.
1: I know what I want to talk about. Speaking oh, of spoilers, a- the last shot. The last shot. Where he discovers the children, and he's, like, looking up in the sky. Oh, yeah. Like, with this, like, with this shocked look on his face. Mm-hmm. Like, he just saw... I think that's what it was. He probably just saw God. Or he realized the voices in his head were, was not the devil. Mm-hmm. It was, was something else. And he's, like, realizing that... Um like something like that. Yeah, he's he's it's definitely a very ambiguous It's ending. very ambiguous ending, but that's what I got out of it. It was that it was he realizes that it was not Satan talking to him. It was oh, somebody really? else. It was somebody else warning him and uh, maybe he thought it was the devil the whole time uh, or it was yeah, some yeah, yeah. kind of sinister figure, but that it makes was sense. Uh, yeah, yeah. like a force. I mean, of again, light. and
0: that kind of like that's where my uh whole idea of creativity versus madness was kind of coming in from from that final shot was you know the idea that uh, wh- even though all of this is over there's still that whatever was connecting with him is still connecting with him and um, yeah like so that's interesting though to I didn't I didn't think about that like that it's the other the other side
1: mm-hmm.
0: of the coin. Helping him,
1: it's like it was like light versus dark. Like dark was latching onto Ray, telling him to kill all these kids, while mm-hmm. light was get, was warning him of the impending doom. In the doom. only way it knew how, right? Because he wasn't. He he admitted it himself he wasn't controlling himself when he was painting. Yeah, it was like the light side. Um, this is like a Star Wars podcast. All of a sudden, the light side versus the dark I mean, side. That's
0: it's the oldest story in the books. Absolutely,
1: man. it's like it took control of uh, Jesse. Mm-hmm. took control of Jesse, like put him in that, um, put him in that barn and forced him to paint so he could get the picture mm-hmm. and then that, um, to figure out what was going on. And then him discovering the suitcases full of the children body parts, that's, that's him like realizing. Yeah. Cause there's
0: that line where he says, it's like, it's like they're, it's like they're trapped Yeah, and I, and I don't know how to get them out. And that's kind of like they're trapped in these suitcases because they are kind of like just like they're in these tight spaces and he doesn't know how to get them out. So, yeah, you're, you're probably onto something there. Yeah,
1: that's what I got. I yeah, know, yeah. There could be many ways to interpret that scene. I hope that's, I why, hope I, people... that's
0: why I really like how the movie ends, because it kind of is like, what, are you mm-hmm. what, what do, do you what do you think?
1: I hope more people see it and more people really do, can yeah. discuss it.
0: Yeah, if you see this movie, talk about it to if you like if you see this movie and you like it, talk about it to people. Sean Byrne is a really up and coming great director and he just needs to keep uh you know, The Loved Ones was kind of
1: overlooked. It's uh it was really hard to track down. Um That's kind of the um that's, like, the uh, the blessing and the curse when it comes to these, like, movies that are immediately released on video on demand is that more people can get to see it. But there's no press release or anything, so you, no, nobody knows that they can. But will they? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, see so... this movie.
0: You just spend the yeah. $7. Rent it just to even, like, give Sean Burns some, some play. I mean, if you don't trust us and you think we're a bunch of goofballs, you can go on... Any other, uh, pretty much, I, I tried to find a negative review for this to like really just try and see what was going on. And the worst thing that I could get from people was like, it takes too
1: long for it to get scary, which,
0: fuck you. just some fuck you. Like, like, just, like don't stop They're it. just
1: trying to get They're not trying to watch a good story. They're just trying no, no. to get a rush. Yeah. It's like, oh,
0: don't, uh, some of the best horror movies in the world don't even get scary till halfway through. True. Just relax, buddy. Yeah, exactly. Relax. Um, But, yeah, check this movie out if you haven't already. Watch it again
1: if you have. Um, I'm really enjoying this, like, speaking of, like, apostrophe sans, like, this horror sans that we got Mm -hmm. going on. Like, I think uh, it's, like, the Babadook started. Oh, yeah. And It Follows and The Witch and Green Room and Get Out and
0: yeah we've been doing like it's been a very very good year for horror movies like Um, last year yeah it's it's been happening for a while i mean like i'm a big fan of the i mean the the blair witch adam wingard and simon barrett's blair witch from last year i'm a big fan of that um i still haven't seen it it's getting it, it, it got like torn apart Yeah, Um, I wanted to see it, and I think that it's it's exactly what I wanted from a Blair Witch sequel. Like when I went in, I you know I love Adam Wingard, and I love Simon Barrett. You're like personal friends with Simon Barrett. Oh, I talked to him on Facebook. Like I'm friends with him on Facebook. It's not like uh, you know, like we're we're best friends. Yeah, we're best friends in the world. No, no, and it's just like because these guys are people that really have their um, they really have their their fingers on the pulse of uh film culture right now like these are guys who are fresh faces they're just getting into the industry in a way where like they can finally have something to say like for god's sake like these guys went from making you know um a horrible way to die um and you're next and the guest oh, and, and the
1: guest is so good and
0: all of a sudden they made the vhs Blair movies Witch. the v- vhs movies yeah they're all over the place uh, a thousand
1: ways to die or abc's death rather ABC's Death is... Uh, well, I liked Wingard's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the like, duck yeah, that. The their, their
0: contribution to these things is always tight. And I like those guys. And I'll be honest, when I went in to go see Blair Witch, I was, you know, I, I have my nose up in the air. I was... I don't know about this. And it turned out... Uh, I, I really liked it. It's got its problems. But, you know, so did the first one. Mm. And... I'm working on. I'm working. I don't want to get too much into it because I'm working on an article about it that I've been pretty much working on for months now because it's so hard for me to write about it because I I come across as so apologetic because I don't want them you know they did this whole thing where they they did the DVD commentary and they thought everybody thought the DVD commentary was going to explain some more and they pretty much just they did the DVD commentary after initial critic reactions oh. so they were just like bashing you know, like critics and stuff the whole time. Not like in a bad way. Just like kind of like having fun you know, they are two dudes that are watching this movie that they made and they're just like having fun with it like kind of making fun of people.
1: That's that's kind of the thing with the modern day um, film culture when it comes to like criticism is that a movie isn't really allowed to have its problems Mm -hmm. anymore. It's either got to be fucking perfect or else it's shit. Yeah. Like if a movie has flaws like in the dumpster you go. And And
0: horror is the one that's like that's the tightest rope to walk because you're either going to go way too much way too far into farce or you're going to be like way too sincere where it's just going to be kind of goofy mm-hmm. and you have to walk that nice tight rope because horror culture is a, is a community unto its own and everybody is pretty much like tasting from the same cup, like the Baba Duke, cheap thrills, all these movies that you name that are coming out in the horror circuit. Everybody's and, watching these same movies.
1: And you know, like what I was talking about with the, um, with my previous podcast with Jack, with the, with the Void, like the Void has its problems, mm-hmm. but it's not you know it's I wouldn't like demonize it yeah. at all. Like you know it it has some things that are in it that are worth seeing mm-hmm. if if people choose to do so because it's not it's you know it's not in the theaters or anything. You don't have to pay fifteen dollars at a Regal to watch it. You mm-hmm. know if you just want to watch and appreciate the things that it does have, then like. People are willing to do so. And, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's you can't
0: deny that a movie like The Void, like, tried. It it certainly it did. Tried, and you, I think that you have to give certain a certain amount of respect and admiration, while also being critical. Yeah, but I think that you also need to be open minded.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that a lot of criticisms sometimes fall short because they kind of just look at the initial reaction, and. Just kind of, you know, everybody wants to have, like, the wittiest and the quickest. Absolutely. And you don't need to do that. Uh-huh. You, know? you can uh, be under quick 140 and witty, characters. but you, 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 can, you can still look at something and go, everything's got something good going on about it.
1: Mm-hmm. Even Too Fast, Too Furious. <laughs> Cole Hauser's a great bad guy in there. Even uh, True Detective Season 2. Even True Detective Season 2 has saving great... Don't even fucking get me
0: started <laughs> on this... <laughs> That's if Jack nice, was here, he would that's leave. That's not nice. That's, that's me. <laughs> Don't pick on me about that, all right? I got my shit.
1: Um. All right, so I think that's it for Devil's Candy. Yeah, wrapping it back around, you know, people like to criticize, but hopefully people will go out there and love the Devil's Candy mm-hmm. just as much as we do. Yeah, we just got on a big, like... Uh five minute rant about like
0: the state of horror films right now. Well, it's not
1: even the state of horror films. It's the state of how people like view horror films, film, uh, film culture, uh, fandom.
0: Yeah. Is, is, uh, you know, uh, rabid. Yeah. A uh, film critic by the name of Devin Faraci, um, about a little over a year ago, wrote this great little article called fandom is dead. You can look it up. I don't Is that necessarily on BMD. Yeah, that's on Birth, Movies, Death, and I don't necessarily agree with everything that he says, which has kind of been my entire relationship with Devin Faraci as a reader, writer. Um, Is that the Hulk guy? No, film crit Hulk. No, he writes for Birth, Movies, Death, okay. but they're two two very different people. Okay. Um, but he wrote an article about fandom being broken and how you know Twitter responses and like aggressive uh, campaigns held on the internet to try and convince. Uh, you know, production studios and, st- and writers to, like, change certain things and make the movies what they personally want the movies to be mm-hmm. instead of, you know, a piece of art and creativity created by the creators. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does have some very strong points in there. There's also some great arguable points that people made in um, in uh, response articles to that. Uh, but I would definitely read that. You know, Devin Farachi's always got very, very good things to say whether or not um, they're a little... A little pissy, mm-hmm. or uh, a little uh, a little nasty. He he's he can be known to be a little mean and nasty from time to time. But yeah, Phantom is dead by Devin Ferracci on Birth Movies Death. Really good article if you want to try and take a close look at how internet culture is really starting to mess around with how production studios and producers and creators are tackling making these. I guess, like, is getting, like, remakes or sequels and stuff like that. Like, they're really paying attention to the internet because they want to do things correctly. It's just sometimes the loudest voice in the
1: room isn't the one that's saying the best thing. Right. Yeah. And that's why, you know, we're getting a like, lot I f- of... I feel like in, like, the executive rooms, people are, like, legitimately bringing up, like, oh, what would the honest trailer yeah, of this oh, movie boy. say? Yeah, but that's not that's, that's not no to, good. Yeah, that's, not to sh- doing that. that's not to shit on like other No, those movie are websites. absolutely hilarious. Those on the yeah. shows are absolutely great.
0: Yeah. Some of those like make me laugh harder than movies do themselves. Like mm-hmm. they, they, those guys got a really good thing going. Um but yeah, Devil's Candy, check it out.
1: Yeah, <laughs> the Devil's <laughs> Candy. <laughs> great original horror movie. Great
0: original horror movie even if it is, you know, a subgenre of horror that has been Beaten to death. It's a really fresh new take on it. And it's really well done. It's very well done. Well acted. Well written. Well directed. And it won't
1: take up too much of your time. 79 minutes. What else you got to do? Exactly. You <laughs> can I mean, right. put on laundry. Watch the movie and the laundry will be done.
0: That's true. Unless you have a big load.
1: I always have a big load. <sighs> and on that Thank note. you for listening. <laughs> <That's>... Dear listener.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm Mike Burge. And uh, I'm
1: Jeremy He's Kol- Jeremy
0: Kalajeski. Thank you so much for listening, watch the Devil's Candy, and uh yeah, have a very good day.
1: Bye.
0: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah. The devil's candy. <laughs> the devil's candy. <laughs> <laughs>